This conversation I'm about to have is with Mr. Raymond Perrier, Director of the Dennis Hurley Centre. He is no stranger to the platform, but it has been a while since I have spoken to him. So without further ado, good evening to you, Raymond. Good evening, Tongeva. Yes, I was beginning to feel neglected down here and there. Blame Lesejo for that. It's not even going to come on my doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> late on Lesejo's doorstep. But certainly the issues yes. you and I keep talking about seem to be important. They never lose their importance. And certainly the issue of persons who are homeless is an, a national issue. It's a catastrophe in many respects. And I'll simply say this. In the light of local government elections 2021, I understand that there's a National Homeless Manifesto. Tell us more about what that is and who is the organization or the organizations that are sponsoring it. Well, it's a really exciting initiative from the National Homeless Network. So that is a group of more than a dozen organizations around the country working with homeless people in all of our major uh, metropolitans. And the Venetary Center is the, uh, is the organization in Durban, our equivalent in other cities. And we've been working together as a network now for three years, learning from each other, sharing best practice. Uh, and very importantly, during the, the, the uh, COVID hard lockdown, um, in many ways, we knew more about what was going on in the different cities in terms of, of supporting the homeless than, than, than government themselves did. So we've reflected on that and thought, how do we use our expertise and what's going on on the ground in municipalities and bring that to bear in the face of the municipal elections, which are now just six weeks away? Let's talk about the plight of the homelessness in South Africa. I think I was reading somewhere that not so long ago, the number of homeless persons, at least these are official numbers, I know, the, I know for a fact the number is much, much higher than that, quite easily quadruple this, from 400,000 to 600,000. And as I read it, I just forget the platform and the time frame within the movement from four to 600,000. It, to me, sounded a very short period of time from the transition of the official number being 400,000 to 600,000 persons in the country recorded as homeless. Do you have an accurate statistic to that effect? And at any no, rate, yeah, sure, go for it. So, so, so we don't. And that's actually one of the things the National Homeless Network has been discussing with Stats SA because, of course, they're preparing for the next national census. And we've been giving them advice on a better way and a consistent way of counting homeless across the across the country. I suspect that number 400,000, 600,000 is, uh, is including a whole group of people who are living in, should we say, fragile situations, uh, but are not living on the streets. So, so when people think of the homeless, the, the image that usually comes to mind mm -hmm. is somebody who is sleeping on the streets, or even if they're occasionally in shelters, their lives revolve around the streets. And that's our understanding of, of who the homeless are. Um, and it is a number which has been increasing, though, because obviously the economic impact of COVID and then the city like Durban, the, the further impact of the rioting, has meant that people who are just about surviving at the very bottom end of the economic scale have even fallen off the, uh, the, the bottom rung of the ladder and are on the streets and struggling, struggling to survive. So we're really looking, with homelessness, we're really looking fundamentally at an economic problem, mm -hmm. people who just can't make enough to survive, and then related to that, to that economic problem, a whole load of social problems to do with marginalization and healthcare and addiction and all, the, all those other uh, issues that you would expect. 
So you are employing the more broadened and wider definition of homeless persons because ultimately you are targeting those who are very vulnerable to the elements in the true sense, but equally vulnerable and off the grid of the systems that would allow them to make a sense of development and progress in their respective lives. But here's something yeah, I do you, want to ask. I'll give you a very, a very co- sorry, a concrete example of that. So during uh, uh, COVID, uh, during the hard lockdown and beyond, the, the, the government announced a great fanfare. There would be this, this emergency relief grant for the poorest of the poor, 350 rand a month. Not a huge amount, but better than nothing. Mm. The vast majority of homeless people were never able to access that. And we know that for a fact because we tried in Durban. Probably at most 10% of homeless people were able to access that grant because they don't have ID, they mm-hmm. don't have cell phones, they don't have access to the internet, all the things which, uh, uh, which, which are necessary to access some of the services that government provides, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't get to. So, so we're looking, often the homeless people look at people who are, who are off the radar screen. And sadly, policies are developed by government and by municipal, uh, municipalities which fail to understand the reality of, of, of the lives of homeless people. The last time you and I were speaking, or rather the first time you and I had a conversation, it was around ID documents for persons who don't have homes for the purposes of ensuring that they exercise the constitutional rights insofar as it relates to the national vote. This is now in May 2019. It does sound like much of those problems that persisted then are the very reasons, for instance, that those same persons are not able to access these social services and related facilities precisely because that one key document, the ID, is still something that remains elusive for them. Absolutely. And you would not believe the hours and hours that we've spent in, in Durban and other and our partner organizations have spent in other cities trying to get home affairs to recognize that they are gatekeepers to people not just having an identity, but an ability to then engage with a whole host of other services. And it is appalling how unresponsive home affairs have been in tackling the issue of ID documents for homeless people, particularly when in most cases homeless people don't have ID documents because they were stolen from them by the police. I'm glad you you mentioned that interview back in uh, in the the national elections in 2019. I don't know if you recall, uh, there were two young women who I I described their story and then they came onto onto the show. So sadly, one of those young women passed away just a, a few weeks ago, Tandeka. We were, we were really I remember Tandeka quite well. Um, extraordinary woman, extraordinary young woman who actually, even though her ID was stolen from her two days before the election, still came, worked at the Democratic Centre that day to encourage other people to vote, to help us to, uh, uh, to support the IEC in their, in their valuable work. And we stayed in touch with Tandeka, and she'd been involved in the National Homeless Network. And tragically, she died, and she died in childbirth. She died in childbirth because, again, access to basic, basic health care is something which many homeless people uh, can't, can't get to. And it, 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 it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a horribly true story and a very personal story for us because we knew her really well. But it just brings to, brings to mind the reality of the, of the lives of people living on the streets and how sometimes, often quite simple things can be done that will make the difference between, uh, between surviving and not surviving. Mm, yeah. Can we take a break, please? Because this has hit quite hard, given the fact that I remember quite distinctly having a conversation with Tandega, and she and I had a one-on-one for about some 10 minutes. And um, it's never nice to learn of such stories, because these are ultimately human stories, and many of us, everybody, in fact, can and should be able to relate with the pain of the Dennis Hurley Center as the organization that was closest to her. But certainly, Tandega, thankfully, she had and has and will always have a name. 
and her story is fortunately documented. Many, many stories like that of Tandega, unfortunately, are not documented. I want to give you a moment, Ray, as we just go to the ad break, just to pause the conversation for a moment and just take time to tell us about Tandega and just honor her memory. Shall we, after the ad break, just take two, three minutes to tell us more about Tandega? I'm, I'm suspending, if you like, the conversation you and I are having because ultimately the challenges and the issues to which you are drawing our attention to manifest in their not being attended to in this very story of Tandega. After the break, we continue. SMS SAFM now on 41391. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. The Dennis Hurley Center is the lead in the Eteguini. Sorry, the Dennis Hurley Center is based in Eteguini and they are running a series of initiatives to campaign for the implementation of a national homeless manifesto through the National Homeless Network. Pay special attention, please. I'll get to this, why this is important. They have drafted a homeless manifesto for these municipal elections and the areas of focus are shelter, health, sanitation, safety, and work. Part of this campaign is to support the homeless community in being able to register and vote, and the Dennis Hurley Center hosted the IEC for the post-voter registration this weekend with a particular focus on homeless voters. Now, we have just heard the very sad news from Mr. Raymond Perrier, the director of the Dennis Hurley Center, just a couple of minutes ago, that one of their dearest Tandega has since passed on. I would say in tragic circumstances, not necessarily tragically. She died while giving birth. But I have mentioned earlier on, the focus of the National Homeless Network is to focus on areas of shelter. Tandega did not have shelter. The fact that she died while giving birth speaks volumes about the inefficiency and inadequacy of the healthcare system. Of course, if you don't have shelter, it goes without saying you have limited, if any, access to sanitation. The fact that two days before the last general elections in 2019, two weeks before she was due to cast a vote, or was it two days, her ID was stolen. And we know in certain instances it is the law enforcement officers who confiscate their possession from so from the perspective of safety and work and the dignity of safety and work. She was robbed in that regard. So if we could just tell the story of Tandega, Raymond, we could pretty much sell the essence of the National Homeless Manifesto because the story of Tandega is the metaphor of all the social ills in this country where people are left to fend for themselves outside the framework of social protections that are constitutional guarantees. The story ends as it did for Tandega. It, it absolutely is, as, as you've captured it. The, uh, the issues that we're campaigning for in the National Homeless Manifesto were all the issues that really meant the difference for Tandeka between surviving and not surviving. Tandeka Makanya uh, was, her, was her full name. She was, uh, she was uh, 30 when she passed away. And uh, she came to our notice because of those elections. She was one of the first people who came along um, and said, I've got my ID, I want to register uh, as a voter. She'd never registered before, even though she was, what, 26 at the la- uh, 27 at the last election. Um, and she was one of dozens of people, homeless people, who registered for the last elections, and, and we've been registering people over this past weekend and other organizations around the country, and making sure homeless people were registered as voters. 
And what was really interesting about Tendeka is, is once we got to know her and she shared her story, discovering that although she ended up living on the streets, it was it was a series, she, by her own admission, a series of bad, bad decisions on her part. She'd done well at school. She had trained as a bookkeeper. She was working uh, in, in a company. Uh, she was making money. The money started getting used on drugs. Uh, the more she earned, the more she spent on drugs. And it spiraled out of control, and that's how she ended up on the streets. Um, but what was really interesting was that, she, that, that, that once you got to know her, you saw the, 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 the truth of who she was and the, and the spark of life and brightness and intelligence. And that's why uh, she came along, actually, to the, the last face-to-face National Homeless Conference that we had. Um, obviously, we've been doing it online ever since, but the last face-to-face one, she was one of the homeless representatives at that event in Bloemfontein. And I know all the, all the members of the National Homework, Homeless Network who met her were just rewowed by her and her articulacy and her and her sheer honesty in describing hmm. what uh, what her life was like, and and her desire to to turn her life to turn her life around. And there are many Tandega Makanyas out there who don't have the benefit of the Dennis Hurley Centre within proximity to them, or a Mr. Raymond Peria or a Songa Zamabeka who will be receptive to the flighting of her story and name. And one of the ways of measuring a society and its ethic ethic level is not so much what it does for those who can do things for themselves, but what it can do for those persons who cannot help themselves, the aged, the sickly, the young, and otherwise vulnerable, vulnerable to the elements and vulnerable to the systemic structures. Now, clearly in this country, we've got a serious problem. But here is a question that I do wish to pose to you precisely because we have this conversation. March last year for 40 days, the hard lockdown level five, never before seen in anybody who is alive now's lifetime, and certainly not since. But for 40 days, the question of homelessness was addressed, addressed in the sense that the shelters were full, some of the public works property was used to house those who are homeless. And within that, not necessarily great, but it was something that we're getting meals and some of the protections which go a long way in ensuring the meeting of the constitutional obligations on the part of the state. In other words, homeless people had shelter and had access to food. It might not have been the best in either of those spaces, but it was something. How did we lose the momentum that we were given almost fortuitously by the conditions of Level 5 hard lockdown? Because those same persons are back on the streets and it doesn't seem to be that that was used as a springboard to use the lessons of those 40 days in terms of how we could address for an ongoing period of time as a national consensus the question of homelessness in the country. Well, actually, yes and no. So I, 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 yes. I, I, I'm, I'm often the bearer of bad news. I want to bear some good news. Go for it. Say. No, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Across the cities, it's interesting. It's not been consistent. It's not been well thought through. But there are really interesting examples of ways in which the learnings from the hard lockdown have been carried forward, and in some ways the lives of some homeless people in some of our cities have improved. And that's part of what's giving us the motivation for this National Homelessness Manifesto, because we're listing in this not not pie-in-the-sky, massive, abstract, uh, big, uh, uh, big wishes, but actually we're saying these things have been done by municipalities, which means they could be done by all municipalities. Mm-hmm. And we're not asking you to live up to our standards, we're asking you to live up to your own standards. You did it 
back in the hard lockdown. You were able, uh, municipalities were able to create shelters. They were able to provide health care to homeless people. They were able, the police that normally are sent out to beat them up in the middle of the night were being used to protect homeless people. Police officers said to me, genuinely said, I can't believe my view of homeless people has changed so much because I've actually been standing around talking to them and realized they could be my brother, could be my sister, could be my own son. So the way in which the uh, the hard lockdown, um, uh, it, it weirdly, it, it almost like it, it opened up the heart of, of mm-hmm. some municipal workers yeah. and, and and politicians, and we saw some we saw some great initiatives. There were some terrible ones. There were some really badly thought through ones. There was a lot of money wasted, I'm afraid, but there were some there were some good initiatives. So part of what we're saying in this national Man- homeless manifesto is let's make sure we're committed to continuing the things that were done then that were good. And that we learn from the cities who've done who've done great who've done. Uh, really what was the good that was done that we really should be springboarded? Well, for example, uh, let me give a specific example from, from Etiquini. For as long as I've been in in Etiquini, which is now seven years, the municipality told me over and over again, we are not allowed to fund homeless shelters. And I said that's really strange because there are other municipalities that do. So I'm sure there isn't a law which specifically prohibits Etiquini from funding homeless shelters. So you just choose not to. Fair enough. And we kept nagging them. We kept nagging them. During the hard lockdown, they did, and those shelters have continued. The women's shelter, which we spent 15 months discussing, they opened, thanks, I have to say, to a fantastic corporate support from FNB and from a local property company called Urban Line. They opened the women's shelter in three days, and a year and a half later, it's still operating. So something they said couldn't be done, not only was done, but was done quickly. Um, so part of what we learned is that actually when there is a will and there is good collaboration, this is really important, government, civil society, and corporate sectors, then we can actually achieve things. And what, we, what we're saying in this manifesto, this isn't just to help homeless people, although it does, but it helps everybody. We all benefit as, men, as citizens of, uh, of, 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 our, of our big cities if when we walk down the street in the evening, we're not stumbling across homeless people who are hiding in, uh, in, in, in shop doorways. But they do that in cities where there aren't shelters. If we can provide shelters, they won't be. We all clearly benefit from healthcare provided to everybody. Mm, absolutely. Learned with COVID, healthcare problems aren't 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 uh, don't know any boundaries of race or class. They become everyone's problems if they're not dealt with properly. Let's take a call from a Durbanite, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Go for it, please. Hello. Indeed. Hello, Mike. Hello. Can you hear me? Mike, please speak. Can you hear me? Mike, I can hear you. Please speak. We move on. We move on. Raymond, the looting that took place in early July, how much of an impact has that had to the question of homelessness, particularly in and around the Eteguini municipality? So as I mentioned earlier, obviously the looting has had an impact on economic activity in the in the city and and often in some of the most the areas that were most vulnerable to begin with, there were businesses that hadn't reopened and obviously jobs lost as a result of that. Um, and if uh, homeless people are if people are homeless because they can't get work, then obviously that has a knock-on effect. I think we've also seen, uh, I'm afraid to say, a uh, some finger pointing towards the homeless, uh, seeing them somehow the, the, the worst perpetrated. There were certainly homeless people involved in the looting. There were lots of homeless people who were not involved in the looting. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of people driving around in Mercedes who were involved in the looting. So so uh, uh, um, uh, uh, destitution doesn't seem to be 
a way of indicating whether somebody was yes, involved in looting yes, or not. I think what we also what we're really worried about is that so many of the ideas that were around pre-COVID, looking at urban regeneration, looking at creating jobs, looking at at, at providing access to uh, uh, to work for people uh, at street level, of course now they've set that massively first of all by the impact of COVID, and now by the uh, by the impact in Joburg and in Durban of the of the riots, um, and, and it's going to be so much harder, even harder to persuade people to invest in our city centres, which is where which is where those jobs are needed. A couple of comments for you to consider, please, as we round up this discussion. The first one is coming from Sajin in Denze. Only in South Africa where government officials steal billions of rands, but there is no money for homeless ones. That's the first contribution. And we go to the second and final one from Smut Yossi in Ekabeja, formerly Port Elizabeth. Homelessness? Good evening, Butsongas. Homeless people are the most ignored people ever in this country. We are about to vote. What are we doing to... What are we going to do to allow homeless people to practice their right to vote? So perhaps from what you know and parts of where the campaign is getting some sense of traction, what can you tell us insofar as it relates to progress to ensure that people, one, have access to their IDs for the immediate purpose of voting, but for the broader and more long-term purpose of being able to access government services and related economic activity? Raymond? Sadly, on IDs, we are we are at the whim of the Department of Home Affairs, like sadly so many people in this country who, who are trying to do per- perfectly sensible legal things in home affairs, gets in the way. Um, we are, and, and one of the interesting things about that, we're we're plowing ahead. Thank goodness, the Dep- Department of Health is plowing ahead with a campaign to make sure homeless people get access to vaccines, even if they haven't got IDs, because we we can't wait for home affairs to sort out the IDs problem. So we're going ahead and making sure that people can get access to vaccines. Um, so a lot of homeless people have registered as voters. Remember, most homeless people are South Africans. Most homeless people are entitled to vote. The whole thing that we, we fought for in the struggle was that everyone is entitled to a vote. It's not a function of race or class or, or anything yeah. else. It's a function yeah. of just being a citizen. Um, one of the things we'll be doing in this election, again, not just in Essequini, but in other cities around the country, is giving an opportunity for homeless people to be face-to-face with politicians and hear from the politicians what, they, what they're what they claiming they're, they're going to do and to challenge them. So we're planning town hall meetings like that, as we did back in the, in the, in the uh, national election. But it really matters because it's actually the municipalities that make the biggest difference to the lives of homeless people. Absolutely. It's the municipalities that are spending or not spending money. It's the, municip- it's the metro police who are being sent to beat up the homeless. It's the metro police who are, uh, who are failing to protect people's rights. It's, uh, it's the municipalities that are passing ridiculous bylaws in Cape Town. It's the city of Cape Town that's trying to fine homeless people, which is a, you know, a completely absurd strategy and helps nobody. But municipalities can change, and they will change if they believe that regular voters are with us on this. And that's what we're challenging people to do, is to think about when you vote, think about what parties are saying about a whole range of issues, including what they're going to do about homelessness. If they think they can sweep it off the streets or make it disappear, then don't believe them. They can't. If they have practical, concrete problems, if they sign up to what we're putting in the Homeless Manifesto, then let's let's give them the support that that they deserve. Certainly. We have one voice note to play. Good evening, brother Songhez. You are just splendid. I have nothing to say. You are just brilliant. You have got a calling. You belong to the radio. I'm so proud of you, my man. Thank you so much, Lizzo, from Brixton. Good, Lizzo. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate that.
I think I, sh- I, th- I think I should vet the voice notes that come through because it really was for me more than for the public intelligence. <laughs> but having said that, but well deserved, well deserved. Sir. Thank Can you. I just, uh, make, make a point. You, you, one of the callers yes. earlier made a point about how the homeless are are unheard. And Barney Pichano, Professor Barney Pichano, yes. wonderful, extraordinary human rights activist, has very kindly lent his voice and his name to this campaign as our, as our national ambassador. And he said something really beautiful in a piece in the Daily Maverick over the weekend. He said, it's so curious that homeless are the most visible on our streets mm. and yet the most unheard. We see them at the street corner, we never hear them because we don't want to hear them. We don't want to hear what they have to say to us. And I think the homeless are, they are appropriately a, 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 a trick to our conscience. We drive around, we go to always, our malls, we always. live our lives, and, we, and every time we see them, we're reminded this is the most unequal society on earth and we can do something about that. Quite literally seen but not heard. Thank you, Raymond. And we here at SAFM extend our most heartfelt condolences to the Makanya family following the passing of Tandega Makanya. Died at 30. Brilliant soul, troubled personality, and the country when she needed it most. In her life's experience, it seemed it just couldn't give her. Not shelter, not health, not sanitation, not safety, not the dignity of work. And she died while giving birth. I would imagine the pain of being a mother would resonate with every person listening to me now who is a parent because that shouldn't happen in our society. It, it, it simply shouldn't happen. But it has, and there are many such instances that are happening where SAFM doesn't have access, where Dennis Hurley centers don't exist, or people like Raymond Perrier might not be as vocal about the issues, but rest assured, these stories exist. And so perhaps we should focus and really direct our resources as a nation to the agenda of homeless persons, because quite frankly, many of them are one person or two removed from who we are, and which is more. And this is something that has always kept me alive. I don't know if I've done anything sufficiently in response to that, but one individual, any one of us, is but one mistake from being homeless at those robots and not knowing when one's next meal is. If not one mistake, one unfortuitous event way beyond one's control, that's how vulnerable we all are to one day attaching the title of homeless. A little bit of empathy in all of us will go a long way. May the memory of Tandega Makanya serve to remind us of still the amount of work this country has to do. And may her memory to those who know her continue to be a blessing.